Well, hello, my friends. I'm so glad we can come together like this, joining our hearts together to do something so important, wherever you're coming from, your living room or your car, maybe the treadmill, I don't know, but I'm really glad you're here. And I'm excited about today because I think we need some help and we're going to get some help. And also we have this really special time of prayer uh, just to go to God with some of our losses this year, which I think are significant. Some of us have lost loved ones, or maybe you've had a loss that's maybe from like years ago, but it just feels more deeply this year. We're going to end the, the message with a very special time that's become kind of a tradition in Mountain, and, and I think it's going to mean a lot to all of us. But can, I, can I, we just say it? You know, 2020 has been a bad year, okay? I mean, th this meme kind of says it all, right? Uh, like Doc and the time machine, picture of back to future, right? You know, whatever you do, don't ever go back to 2020. And that's kind of how we feel. Let's just get out of here and, and never go back. Because it's been just like a steady stream of bad news, hasn't it? I mean, and you know the stuff. I mean, uh, just this week, even heard about a bunch more friends that, that have COVID. And some of them are pretty sick. It's just bad news, you know? Uh, and nationwide, we, we capped off our headlines this week uh, by saying things are still getting worse every day. We broke records for the numbers of people in the hospital, number of people that died in one day, 2,670 people. Uh, more bad news. And then the grim reports about the hospitals being stretched thin and, and students and teachers, uh, you know, just fed up with doing the online thing. When Larry Hogan says, I got to come in with another press conference, it's like we're all just kind of expecting another shoe to drop. Like, what's, what's going to get shut down? What's the bad news this week, Larry? I, I actually got a Christmas card from someone this week, and she said, you know, usually in my Christmas note, I list out all the things I did and all the places I went. And she says basically, well, this year virtually everything I enjoyed doing and was planning to attend was canceled. So I'll just say, let's hope for a better 2021. It's like, hey, thanks for the card. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too. I mean, we're all just doing the best we can, right? But is anybody up for some good news? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I hope I can get at least a miniature fist pump out of somebody on that because there's been so much bad news and it's easy to focus on it, get dragged down by it and all that. But instead, what do you say? We bring 2020 to a close, not by rehearsing all the bad news, but by celebrating the beautiful good news of Jesus and the difference he makes in such a bad news world. The coming of Jesus really changes things in a bad news world. And when it first happened, everybody thought God was gone, dead, on vacation, or checked out. Life was dark and hard and scary. And they had pandemics and problems and pain just like we do today. But on that night, Mary held that promised one in her arms, and there was a different kind of news report that came, and it wasn't CNN or Fox, it was angels in the night sky to shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Anybody up for some good news, in other words? And the message shouted through those angels that night, God is shouting right now to all of us that the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then I love it, you know, it's like, go see for yourselves. And they run and they see, they find Jesus lying in a manger and you and I, we can find Jesus too. And when we do, it changes things for us. And each week, 
this series, uh, anybody up for some good news? We're going to look at the difference that Christ makes when we find Him and He finds His way into our life. Last week, we began by talking about the good news that people who are distanced need to know that God comes near. And when He does, He brings His presence and power, His comfort and His courage. Because of Jesus, we're going to talk about how you can find hope when you're depressed. You can find peace when everything's so divided. You can be restored when life is like a disaster. You can find joy when you're discouraged. And you can find a new beginning when life seems like it's at a dead end. Today, I want to talk about hope. Let's talk about hope because hope is, hope is our lifeblood. Without it, we die. And I feel like we're seeing kind of a hemorrhage of hope. Now, let's be clear when we talk about hope from a biblical um, standpoint. We're not talking about just kind of like wishful thinking, like, oh, I hope, I don't know, I hope the Ravens make the playoffs. You know, that's not, that's not hope. That's like a delusion, right? Hope, biblically speaking, is not some fantasy or just positive thinking or let's look on the bright side. You always have the glass half full, you know, put on a happy face. No, no, no. Hope, hope is born in the dark. It grows in the hard places. And it can survive on just about nothing. So even when things look really bleak, hope, it still lives on. And it carries us through whatever's going on. Which is what we need because life can get really stormy, right? I mean, think about 2020, think about your life. There are these huge waves of stormy disappointment and loss and hard stuff that hits all of us. And we're in a storm right now. So hope, hope's not some like tiny little toy boat we climb into hoping for the best only to be bounced around helplessly against all those big waves. It's going to take on water and we're going to sink, right? No, no, no. Hope is huge. It's an anchor that we're tied to. It's the rock of our faith that moors us to something bigger, something stronger, something more powerful and immovable and invincible. So that even in the midst of the worst storm, we can say stuff like, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever is going on, whatever kind of hardship or financial collapse or sickness or stormy hurricane my life gets hit with, all will be well still in the middle of the storm. My anchor holds. My anchor holds. So we just keep trusting in that immovable, unchangeable God, holding on in faith because our confidence is in Him. Not like, oh, I hope, uh, crossing my fingers, or I'm going to rely on my own strength as if, well, I guess we'll figure it out. Friends, so many times in life the answer is actually no. You're not going to figure something out. You're not going to come up with something on your own ingenuity, your own strength. You're not going to be able to write a check and fix some, every problem. There are things in life you can't do anything about, storms like that. And yet, when you have hope, you have an anchor within the storm. And that hope is God in Christ. And I just think it's so important. We kind of know the Sunday school answer, like, oh yeah, my hope's in God. But you know what? This is the heart of the biblical message so much where it's saying don't put your hope in something else because it'll let you down. So many people are eagerly anticipating a vaccine and I'm all for it. Let's get it out there. Let's, it'll help people. Let's do it. You know what? But the way some people talk about it, it's like, like the vaccine's our savior. 
As if once we get that, you know, it's like the angel announced, you know, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today, Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson have a vaccine that's going to solve everyone's problems. Newsflash, that's not the announcement, and it's not going to solve all of our problems. Or we, or we thought, some of us, you know, we get the right guy elected, it's going to solve all of our problems. Newsflash, whichever side you're on, it didn't. No, no new science or politics or education or legislation or human movement of any kind is going to help us and give us hope. So I don't know where you're reaching right now, but I know this, every one of us is reaching for hope. So let me ask you a really important question. Where do you need the hope of God in your life right now? As you think about your life, maybe some area where you're really just tossed a bit and you need something that's not man-made. You need something that's an anchor you can hold on to, like a rock that's bigger than you. Where do you need the hope of God? I want to share a beautiful scripture with you right now. And as I do, I just want to encourage you to, to let the word of the Lord kind of wash over you, maybe calm you and fill you. I'll be honest, when I read this this week, my eyes filled with tears. I don't know where they came from exactly, but sometimes I think when we read Scripture, God kind of speaks to us through it in a special way or something kind of jumps out at you. And I just invite you to let these words, you know, be God's word for you and notice which part of it maybe God is connecting to your spirit. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of all hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. May, may the God of hope fill you, and the word there means to be like overflowing. May He fill you with joy and peace no matter what's going on because you're trusting in Him. You're holding on to that anchor, that rock. And as you do that, you might then overflow with hope of your own by the power of His Holy Spirit in you. Maybe that scripture is for you today because you're in a storm and you need the God of hope to fill you and you need to decide to trust Him and say, even with everything that's going on, I welcome your joy and peace so that I can overflow with your hope. You know, some of us are operating at a hope deficit right now. Like if there was a meter on our hope, <laughs> it would be like kind of down in the, in the toward E part. But overflowing with hope, man, that's powerful there. So I don't know who this is for, but maybe it's for you. I know my parents are watching. They're in their 90s. And they represent so many others who are alone through all this and cut off from family and struggling to stay active, stay sane, stay connected. May the God of all hope fill you, mom and dad, and anyone else who feels like they do. And my sister's watching. She's a healthcare worker in California. At the hospital she's working at, they went from seven cases of COVID November 1st to 75 just a few days later increase of 10 times and she represents all those healthcare workers and all those essential workers who are spread thin and feeling undervalued and stressed and worried for their family and their health. May the God of hope fill you, Kathy, and anyone else who feels like she does. And my daughter is watching, a, a student, 
struggling with online tests and lectures and papers and classes and sports seasons cut short and social life all jacked up and plans on hold. May, may the God of hope fill you, Ellie, and anyone else who feels some of what she does. My son's watching. He's newly married and finding his way through life and a young family and doing it in the strangest of times, and I don't think he'd mind me telling you that he's not exactly rolling in the dough right now, scraping by to make ends meet, and he represents so many others who are doing the same thing right now. May the God of hope fill you, Nathan, and everyone else who can relate. My other son is new to the job market and wondering what the future looks like, and he represents all of us who have jobs and plans and businesses that are up in the air and just don't know what tomorrow holds. May the God of hope fill you, Andrew, and everyone who's facing an uncertain future. We all need hope. You might have heard back in the 1920s about an S-4 submarine that took off out of port um, there was about 120 men on it, but tragically it was rammed by a ship off the coast of Massachusetts, and it sank immediately, and the entire crew was trapped in that sub, like a big prison house of metal death, and lying on the bottom of the ocean floor. And they tried everything they could to rescue that crew, and other countries showed up and brought their technology and their equipment, and it was just so deep, so hard. Everything they tried failed. Near the end of that whole ordeal, a deep-sea diver who was doing everything in his power to, to find his way to get the crew out of there thought he heard a tapping on the steel wall of that sunken sub. So he swam over and he placed his helmet up against the side of the vessel and he realized it was like the Morse code. And he listened very carefully and he spelled out in his mind the message that was being tapped from within. It was repeating the same question over and over again. Is there any hope? Isn't that our question? I mean, that's human nature. Like those people in the sub who are suffocating and running out of oxygen, they're wondering, is anyone going to rescue us? Is, is this going to have a happy ending or not? Is there any Hope, And that's the question that burns in every human heart. And we can push it down and try to ignore it, but it's there. I visited a family who just a year earlier had heard the report that it was cancer. And even though it was the father and the family, it was like the whole family had gone through this surgery and chemo together. And there was more treatment and it kept dragging on. You know how it can do sometimes. Wore them all down through fatigue and then depression, clinging to each other, mad at each other, grief. And then they thought they were in the clear, another CAT scan, more spots. More chemo, more bad news. I sat across from one of the children after the doctor delivered that grim news and she was oblivious to how she was nervously drumming her fingers, taking this all in, thinking about it. I didn't tell her to stop drumming her fingers. And now that I think about it some more, it was kind of makes me think she was just sounding out that same Morse code pattern that we all do. Is there any hope? Or maybe it's a marriage that has endured a, a, something horrible, you know, a severe rupture of trust, something he did, something she said, and other people are giving up on it, like, a, like ER doctors that are like ready to say, stop compressions, call it, and walk out of the room. But there's a, there's a wife that's desperate and tapping on the wall of her heart, just in case anybody can hear. Is there any hope? 
There are times in life when all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put it all back together again, and we grope for hope. And I, th- you know, if we're being completely honest, more people are experiencing that kind of hemorrhage of hope this year than maybe ever in our lifetimes. Mental health stats are staggering. Boston University did a big old study that reveals that a full 40% of adults in this country are struggling with stuff like stress, anxiety, trauma. 40%. have started or increased substance use to cope with it all. The percentage of those seriously considering suicide in the last 30 days has skyrocketed, and it's especially high among 18 to 24-year-olds, minorities, people taking care of other people, and essential workers. Anxiety disorders are three times greater this year than they were last year at this time, and the prevalence of depression is four times greater this year than last year at this time. Friends, we're struggling. Let me say something very important to anyone who is struggling with hope in this way because you feel some of this thing affecting your mental health, like you're more anxious or depressed. And I just want to say you are not alone. You may feel like it. You may feel like you're in a submarine dark tapping out a message, but I beg you to know you're not alone. And please, please get some help. Get some help. I want to put some important resource information right now in the comment in the chat section. And these are like lifelines for someone. I don't know, maybe you. You can tie your anchor to these things. Whatever you're going through, just know there's light, there's life, there's help, there's hope, there's people because there's Jesus and there's always, always hope. I just hope that these resources can maybe be one of those lifelines for someone. Put your hope in Jesus. We're here for you. Let this church come around you. You know, in the book of Romans chapter 4, it's talking about the faith journey of Abraham, father of our faith. And it says in Romans 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, against all hope. In other words, there wasn't any reason for hope. But against all that, anyway, Abraham in hope, he still had hope. He didn't have any reason for hope, but he still had hope. And he believed. That's faith. And so that's how he has become the father of many nations. Because as had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body, I love this, was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. See, a lot of times, things just look really, really bad. And things are as good as dead or dead. And the bottom line is that God made this promise to this elderly barren couple that they would be blessed and have land and have a son and start a nation and all that stuff. And that Jesus would come through their line and bless the whole world. And God came through on that promise. And so this is key for us to understand. Hope is based on God's track record in the past so that no matter how bleak it looks in the present, you can decide, can I trust God or not based on what he's done And so you invite him, you trust him, and then he puts that joy and peace in your heart through it, and that's how you have hope for the future. So so it's a good thing when your hope is tied to a God who's got a flawless track record. We live in the present, but we remember his faithfulness in the past, and we trust him for the future, and that's all the difference is a person who lives with that kind of hope. 
I think that's what Dante was trying to get at. In the 14th century, he wrote this epic poem, Divine Comedy. Some of you had to read it in school. He describes like this journey through hell, and it's imaginative, but it's, it's chilling. Or, or in Italian, the word for hell is inferno. It's the name of it, inferno. And he pictures hell as this dark, foreboding cave, you know, where it leads from this gateway and away from God's goodness and light, away from God. And as he gets to the gate of hell, you can see above the entrance a sign posted there. And the closer you get, you can read it, and it says, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. You take hope away, and what you have is hell. When you don't have the God of hope filling you anymore, the peace and the joy are gone, and you're, you're like one of the people who maybe you know who's living in a living hell today because they've taken God out of the equation. And when you do, you take hope out of the equation. There's no basis for hope without God. I think this is why more and more people are asking big questions, like where's not just my life going, but where is the world going? They're looking at the environment and the weather and the politics and the division and the erosion of moral values and the wars and the hatred. And, you know, they're just saying, I mean, after 9-11 and Iraq and pandemics, is there any hope for the world? And if you base your hope on the character of God, you can say, well, I don't know everything about what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And that kind of hope enables you to endure any kind of suffering. It helps us look at the bad things that, that happen in a completely different way, and there's always hope. There's a famous painting by G.F. Watts entitled Hope. Take a look at it. It pictures a poor woman and her plight sort of against a cruel world, and her eyes are all bandaged up. She can't see ahead. It's kind of a picture of how the future is sometimes dark, and we just don't know what's coming. And in her hands is this old, broken-down harp, but all the strings are broken except for one. One string, and it's a straggly string that barely remains, and those broken strings, they represent all the shattered dreams of this woman's life her crumbled expectations for how her life was supposed to have been, her bitter disappointments. But she has that one last string on that harp. Now, here's the thing. Some people will say, if she plucks that last string, it's probably going to be brittle and break just like the others, and it's going to leave her with nothing. And that's one way of looking at things. But Christian hope says, oh, no. Because of who our God is, it's never that way. We say, I know about that one string. It may not look like much. It may be small. It may be weak. And it may be frail. But that one string is the string of hope. And she's still got that one string. That's what Christian hope says. Christian hope says, you always got one more string. It's always another string. And no matter how dark the future or how many strings have already broken, no matter how bad 2020 has been, because of Jesus, there's always one more string. And when you have the faith to pluck that last string, a beautiful, glorious melody floats out over the world. And that woman, even though her eyes are banished, she's going to see visions of wonderful things. She may not have much else, but she's got that one string. And if she's got that string, she's got hope. And if you've got hope, <laughs> you've got all you need. 
So it's pretty important for us to all kind of figure out how, how do you interpret that painting? Is that last string, you know, the last straw, the final thing that can go wrong before it's all over? Is that how you look at the painting? Is that how you look at your life? Is that how you look at people? Is it how you look at the planet? Or is there hope? And the Word of God says very clearly, no matter how how bad it looks, there's a day coming when all will be well. And until then, God says, I know some strings will break. I know there'll be suffering and struggle and frustration and groaning and the ache of all creation. But here's my promise, and it's of good news and great joy that in the meantime, you'll always have at least one string. I'll be with you. And just as surely as those angels showed up to sing to the shepherds that night, when you pluck on that one string, man, it's like, I just think it's like, it's like God ringing out a message of hope for us. The one string is Jesus, y'all. Hope is Jesus. And it's a foretaste of what's coming in the future. Now follow me here. Because the time and the place when there'll be this beautiful symphony and orchestra of God's love and restoration, recreation and renewal, when all things are made new. See, remember, Advent, we use that word sometime, right, this time of year. It means coming and arrival, and it certainly is about celebrating when Jesus came the first time. But don't miss this. It's also a time to celebrate that Jesus is coming again to complete the project that he began when he came the first time. So it isn't just a time to kind of think back to when Jesus was a a baby who appeared in earth wrapped in baby clothes. It's a time to think forward when Jesus Christ is going to be King Jesus, returning on clouds of glory, reigning as the King of kings and Lord of lords, riding on a white horse, you know, dominating the atmosphere and, and all of us falling before him. He's coming back and scripture promises that just as surely as it promised Abraham that he as an old man would have a baby. And so when you cling in faith to those kinds of things in the present moment, it, it allows God to give you a sense of joy and peace so he can fill you to overflowing with hope. When Jesus comes back, he binds up every wounds and he cures every virus and he calms every fear. And this whole screwed up backwards world gets set right again. And that is coming and that needs to infuse our present moment. But, but the truth is, this present moment, it's 2020. Now, in, in 2020, hindsight, we'll see, oh man, it was not even worth comparing to the future glory. But we're not in 2020 hindsight yet. We're in the real 2020. And the world that we're living in is still pretty dark, stormy time. Which led me to notice something about the shepherds recently. Did you notice how when the shepherds were visited by the angels? Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. At night! I think that might be important, you know, because we're all kind of blinded by darkness and the future is uncertain and it represents maybe the cold, hard life they had. They're kind of operating on the last string all the time as a shepherd. And that's when Jesus came the first time in the night. And yet the angel said, go over there, check it out, go find Jesus. And they did and, and they celebrated that. And then when it's time to go home, don't forget, it's still night. And he sends them right back. 
It's still night. Verse 20, the shepherds return, but look how they return. It's still night, but now they're glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God is faithful. And so they go back to the same, you know, I don't know, nagging wife, sick sheep, and hole in their blanket, living as outcasts, you know. They still only got one string on their old harp, but now they know it'll play. In fact, there's a symphony in that one string, and so they're praising and glorifying God with it. And that's exactly how we're called to live in the dark night of 2020, where, yeah, there's a lot of bad news, this crazy old world. Jesus has come, and he's coming again, which means always hope, and we can rejoice like they did and be ready to live in hope just like them. So remember God's faithfulness in the past, his promises for the future, and let that infuse us in the present moment with a kind of strength that we wouldn't have on our own. You remember that old Star Wars movie? I remember seeing it in theaters a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And in that movie, there's that famous line. Remember, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi are there, and he's up against some, some struggle. He's feeling weak. He doesn't know what to do, how to handle his lightsaber easier. And remember the famous line, you know, the iconic line. What does the old wise Obi-Wan Kenobi say? Say it with me if you want to. He says, Luke, may the force be with you, or use the force, right? Luke doesn't even know if he has the force. He doesn't know much about the force yet. And a lot of people are trying to live their life right now in the midst of a big, dark battle with Darth Vader without tapping into the force. My friend, this is the message of hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not some vague idea that there's some hope out there in the by and by someday. Fuses our life right now in life's most critical moment. And you, if you have Christ, can have this force. And when you have it, it changes how you live every day. It changes how you look at your problems. If you have the force, it puts a relationship failure in proper perspective. When you lose a job, when you lose a friend, when you lose a limb, when you lose money, when you mess up big time, when you're really afraid, when you're doing battle with some, I don't know, spiritual force or somebody, having this force with you means you, you never face stuff like that alone and you don't have to be beat by it down into some dogged despair or depression because the force shapes our attitudes every day. People with the force, they still live in 2020, but they're not going to be utterly defeated by it. They know there's always another string because they got that force. This is why Christian martyrs in history could remain faithful while they're being burned at the stakes. Force is what allows you to hang in there through a pandemic. It allows us to say, though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And when you find Jesus, you found the force. The force is hope. Where do you need God's hope in your life? If you want to know how to get that hope, I can tell you my hope is built on Jesus. He's my rock, he's my anchor, he's my fortress, my rescuer, my savior. 
And if you don't know Jesus, you're trying to make it through the storms of a bad news world without him, trying to make your own good news, I invite you to trust Jesus. And the God of all hope will fill you with joy and peace. So you, like really you and me, 2020 people, we can be filled to overflowing with hope. Because even though you may not know what tomorrow holds, you know who holds tomorrow. 